It's a free concert from now on. I just love that line. If you didn't hear the rest of it, he says, that doesn't mean anything goes. What it means is those who are putting the, we're putting the music up here for free. And what that means is the people who are backing this, who put up the money for this, they're going to take a bit of a bath, he said. Now, how much of a bath? So that event, because of that decision to make it free, at that, at that moment, they lost $1.3 million just like that. That's about $9 million in today's money. Letting people off the hook was a costly venture. Now, to be clear, there were rules that were broken. I mean, you saw that, right? People were jumping fences. They were tearing them down. And in those seven words, it's a free concert from now on, that is by definition the cancellation of a huge corporate debt. Everyone was let off the hook all at once. I love the final shot in that video of the organizer, Michael Lang, breathing a sigh of frustration into the phone. Did you catch that? It's, it's what it looks like when you lose on your investment. A reminder of what felt great to the crowd, as you heard, felt very heavy to those who were in charge of the event. A favorite Amy Ray song of mine is a song titled, Moment of Forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is certainly a long and difficult process, and sometimes it never happens. But when it does, there's this moment when it happens, when everything is, if you will, dropped. And in that moment, there's relief, but also burden. Like to be forgiven of something is a relief. There's freedom there. But to do the forgiving, although that can be freeing too, it can also uh, come with a heavy feeling of burden because you know, as the forgiver, what has been lost on your part. So that announcement, it's a free concert from now on, is a moment of forgiveness. We do something similar in our church services every Sunday during the communion liturgy. Following the prayer of confession that we all make, the leader for the morning prays a prayer of forgiveness over the room. Maybe you recognize these words that you'll hear again later in the service uh, when we say, Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you of all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. This is the prayer of absolution, of corporate forgiveness. It's easy to imagine and to think about forgiveness as something that's God's business. That's not my business. That's God's business. Uh, And that we're not all that capable of handling such a profound and difficult task. And this is partly true in, uh, in practice because it's very hard to forgive and we struggle Uh, to do so, I think, more times than we want to admit. And this is due, in reality, to some of the things that have been done to us that may have been so painful, so traumatizing, so memorable, that the thought of forgiveness feels like a betrayal of the self. Have you ever felt that before? Of course you have. But we also know, each of us, deep down, that we too can find ourselves in situations with people where we long to be forgiven, where we long to be let free, to be let go by the people we've hurt 
but also by God, like we want to know that God forgives us too. And today's reading, gospel reading, is about this. It's a beautiful reading. Uh, Again, I said today is Pentecost Sunday, and Pentecost Sunday, the best way I can describe it is, it is about the reality of God's presence loose in the world. And one of the ways that we see that is through forgiveness, that the presence of God loose in the world looks like a forgiving culture. Let me break this down a little bit, our text. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house were where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now the setting here is simple. We're actually all the way back at Easter again, so we're rewinding. This is Easter Sunday. This passage takes place on the evening of the resurrection, and the disciples are locked away in a room away from the commotion. There's a lot of commotion going on in the city. And they're still worried and somewhat paranoid about being found out and arrested for being associated with Jesus. This was a real issue. So everything for them was still very white, hot. They're scared, and they're laying low. So Jesus comes in and greets them. Peace be with you. It's the right thing to say when people are afraid. Also the right thing to say when they thought you were dead, right? (laughs) It's a standard Jewish greeting. Shalom. I wish personal peace and well-being for you. That's what he says. So that's the setting. That's where they are. And then it goes on. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, it's my favorite part, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So Jesus is focused in this moment on getting these people out of the house and back into the world, back to their daily lives, which makes this scene a sending scene, a commissioning scene. But it's a certain kind of sending. As the Father has sent me, he says, so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? What does this mean? Well, this is John's gospel. You know John 3.16, right? You've been to football games. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his son. I mean, this is the message in the gospel that Jesus came in love and from love and out of love. That's how the Father sent him. And that love is an all-consuming, forgiving, reconciling kind of love. So Jesus came to announce the love of God, to a very burdened world that despite our tendency to drop the ball and to fall short of God's intentions for us, which by the way, side note, just so you know, that's what the word sin means. When I say sin, we often think there's a list. (laughs) There's a list. There's seven of them, right? There's seven deadly sins. That's what we think of. Or more if you're Southern Baptist. Um, But the thing is, Uh, sin, the word harmatia, is actually an archery term. It means the arrow doesn't make it to the target. Isn't that nice? That describes everybody's life in this room. There's the target that God has for me. I'm not going to make it. I just, maybe sometimes I hit it and go, yay, and God's like, pull it out and throws it back. Uh, (laughs) 
I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'll ask him at some point. But it means to fall short of the intended ultimate reality for us. Like we just have a difficult time doing that. That's what it means to miss the mark. That despite all of that, God remains merciful to you and to me. And the disciples were being sent out, as the Father had sent Jesus, they're being sent out to live as a continuation of that same message. Does that make sense? You now will go and announce this to the world, and you'll behave in this way too. God's presence loose in the world is best seen in the sermon of forgiveness, the announcement of forgiveness over people. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is trippy. Like, what is, he, what is happening here? What's wrong with Jesus? Well, Trinity Sunday is next week, and we'll get into the Holy Spirit in a little more detail. But for now, what's happening is that Jesus, in a way, is reenacting the creation story in Genesis, where it pictures for us God breathing into the nostrils of Adam. And the writer of Genesis says in that moment, he receives the breath of life, and he becomes a living being. So this is a symbolic gesture, in a way, here that says to the disciples, this is a new day for you. This is a new life for you. In short, the Holy Spirit is this animating presence in the life of God's people. So this symbolic, strange gesture is a way of saying everything is new. There's a new sense of being for you. Jesus also talks, and we'll see this next week, about how the Holy Spirit is a comforter for people. And this is something we need when we go about the business of forgiveness. It's difficult. And then we get to the meat of what's happening in this story. If you forgive the sins of any, he says, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. It's pretty simple. Retained. Retain the sins, meaning if I keep holding on to the failings of others, then they remain strong. If I let them go, they begin to lose power. If you forgive people, then you have forgiven them. If you don't, it still is powerful in your life. This regret, this tension, this difficulty... It's wild. And Jesus is saying to them and to us, by extension, that the healing power of forgiveness is something that we possess. That we're not only called to be a people of forgiveness, but this is profound, that we're called to also announce it, to tell people, to forgive people. We have the rights to do so, to dole it out, to be givers of forgiveness and announcers of forgiveness. And to announce that God is gracious and merciful, that's the thing. And that we can be known by these things. We can be known by these qualities. This, again, is the presence of God loose in the world. Not a presence of judgment, but a presence of freedom. But the presence of God's grace in the lives and the voices of God's people, that's what Pentecost Sunday is about. 
And these words of Jesus, just so so you know, they, they need not be confusing. He's simply saying, if you practice forgiveness, people will experience that. If you don't, they won't. That's it. They'll either find it somewhere else or they'll keep waiting for you and me to do it. It puts the theology of grace into practice. That's what forgiveness does. It's one thing to say that God is gracious and that God forgives us. It's another to demonstrate that in relationships, which I recognize is very, very hard. And so what is it? What is forgiveness? What does this mean? Well, here in America, in the church, but I would say in culture in general, we have confused the word forgiveness with we become friends again. That's a different word. You might hear the word reconciliation in there. Those are two different ideas. Forgiveness may include that. That's a bonus if that happens. It is not required. Forgiveness is something different than becoming friends again. You may have grown up in a church that taught it that way, and it made the idea of forgiveness very difficult and stressful for you because people have done really bad things to you. And you're like, so to forgive them means that I have to like be close to them again or be around them? No. It doesn't mean that at all. That to forgive, you may have been taught that to forgive was to become friends again, and that is not actually what the word means. The word for forgiveness here is the word aphiomai, which has to do with cutting ties of letting go, even sending away. It's interesting, isn't it? It's used of things in its ancient context. It's used of things like divorce and even neglect, starving. It's literally a cut and a release. In the Lord's Prayer, it's a financial term. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, as one version of the prayer says. People have asked me, this is a side note, it's not in my notes. People have asked me, so why do we go back to the like King Jamesy version of the Lord's Prayer during the communion liturgy? It's a good question. The, the absolute 100% truthful answer is that I felt like the King James version had better rhythm. Isn't that sad? I made a vanity choice. I was like, I mean, when we get to the forgive your debts, it's like tripping over a fence, you know? Everything's just rolling along. It's like, and forgive our debts. And I was like, now we're going back to the trespasses because that just fills the gaps. We're still moving. There's some rhythm to the bar. I like it. So if anyone asks you, it's the pastor's vain choice. But it is a financial term to forgive, cancel a debt. And debts are not only burdensome to the person who owes us, because they're always like wondering if they can pay it. It's burdensome to us too. Because we're either draining our energy demanding payback, demanding an apology, demanding someone to make it right, or we're losing life and wasting away with resentment, sitting around waiting for them to become better people. Does that make sense? So the moment of forgiveness is when we cut the debt or we cancel it. I was trying to find a photo of this old van that Mickey and I used to have that was, we, 
we bought from her parents. It was one of those uh, Chrysler vans that had like fake wood paneling. Do you know what I'm talking about? It, it, was, it was beautiful, right? And we bought it from them, but we were on a payment plan. And we were, we were, um, we were not wealthy. So the payment plan wasn't going well. I was struggling. I was even in between jobs. We finally had gotten a new job, and, um, but I was still struggling. And I remember the phone call from her father. He called me and said, hey, we were just at church today, and we were learning about how forgiveness is the canceling of a debt. And I was like, yes, please let this be, you know. <laughs> and he said, so the van is yours, Right? I mean, it's not a great van. I mean, it wasn't a big loss, you know, or a gain or a big gain. But do you see what I'm saying? For him, it was too stressful as a family member to keep calling and going, hey, are you going to send that money? And for me, it was hard as a family member to be like, I don't have it. I'm avoiding it. I'm not answering the phone. And so to cancel that debt, everybody's free. Do you see it? Everybody is free. The moment of forgiveness is when we drop it and we move on and we're no longer tethered to the anxiety of needing to win. And maybe forgiveness is the win for everyone. And you know that feeling, that moment when forgiveness starts to look better than the weight of the resentment that's been ever present for too long. Do you know what I'm saying? At some point, forgiveness wins because it's just easier than carrying around anger and frustration. It's pretty tiring to hold a grudge. It really is. If you don't think so, you're lying. And the thing is, what I would say to you about people that you need to forgive in your life for whatever reasons they're never going to make it right for you. It's not going to happen. I mean, there might be an outlier, but the people that have wronged you, the people that have upset you, they're not going to make it right. That's just the way we are. We move on. They're not going to return your text. They're not going to say they're sorry. Nobody says they're sorry. That's like a, that's like a past thing. We just disappear. And it makes people frustrated. But I'm just telling you, it's never going to happen. If it does, praise be to God. But chances are it's not going to happen. And so forgiveness is always in the hand of the one who can forgive. It's rarely in the hands of the one who needs it. And so this is where it's tough. And you can keep carrying it and carrying it. Well, they upset me three years ago. Okay. And you might be in therapy for years to figure this out. And that's part of the process. But they're not coming back to you. And so Jesus is here saying, if you retain that, it's never going away. If you cancel it, it disappears. Forgiveness is tough. But it is freeing. Anne Lamott said, forgiveness is giving up all hope of having had a better past. Amen? Isn't that freeing? Just seeing that on the wall. Oh, that's nice. I should try that. 
just somehow move forward. It's normal, and I want to say this, it's normal to find yourself in a place where forgiving other people is very hard and too hard at the moment. And I think that's okay. I think God is not put off by this because God understands us more than we understand ourselves. And it may take years. And the truth is you may never do it. I may never do it. It may take therapy. It may take counsel. You may wrestle with it. And you may never do it. And that's okay. God understands that. But the call to forgive still remains. And my prayer for you is that you would find yourself in a place where forgiveness is possible for you, wherever that is. And that in those moments, you would find release and freedom. And as a church, as a people, we need to be known uh, for people who know how to help people move forward. Because the unforgiven have a hard time moving forward too. And sometimes that release can help that. And there are those among us, maybe even in this room, for whom God's grace is a mystery and a far-flung idea. And that, and that it is something they feel unworthy to receive. Maybe you feel that. But Jesus' words to us today are important. Uh, that we are called to be the presence of that grace and forgiveness in the world. And so may you find yourself in a moment of forgiveness. And may you find freedom in the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.